Welcome back to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Today, guest Pastor Doug will be delivering this week's message. Our mission is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Doug with this week's message. When I came here, God gave me one word, intentional, intentional. So we sat in a meeting, uh, my wife and I sat in a meeting uh, for Sunday school teachers or those that uh, desired to be a Sunday school teacher or eventually would be a Sunday school teacher. And he gave us some pages to read through and there were uh, three or four steps to go through. And in each one of those steps, one word popped out that it was asking for each participant in a Sunday, to be in a Sunday school teacher, also for those who would be sitting in class, was the word intentional. See, God calls us to be Intentional. Keith or uh, Carrie asked me last week if I was going to wear a suit. I don't think that this was the suit that he thought I was going to wear. <laughs> but I intentionally wore this because God intentionally put it on my heart to deliver a particular message. Do you would serve him intentionally or do you serve him just because? How is your time and your word that God's given you? How is your prayer life? Some people will spend more time in prayer than others. My grandma spends over an hour in prayer. Praying for her family and their by name. And we have almost 100 people on that side of the family. She intentionally every morning prays for each and every single one of us. She prays for the ones on the prayer, on, that are, that are uh, uh, on the prayer chain. She intentionally does this. She intentionally reads and studies her word. Is it, it isn't something that she glances over. It is a notebook, the Bible, sometimes the concordance to look certain things up. She intentionally studies we're called to be intentional in our relationship with Christ. But some Christians aren't intentional. Sometimes they just get their fire insurance and it's left at that. Sometimes they don't know what they're supposed to do. And it's for the mature Christian to come alongside them and say, hey, I want to help you out in this. I want to be a partner. I want to be a champion for you. I want to help you study your word. I want to help you develop your prayer life. Our Sunday school classes, it's supposed to teach us how to pray. It's supposed to teach us how to serve. It's supposed to teach us how to apply God's word in our life and take it out there because that's where we'll serve them. We can, only, we can limitly serve them here. You will tremendously serve them out there and that's what we're called to do. We're going to be in uh, Matthew 26, starting in verse 31. Now, Jesus is sitting at the dinner table with his disciples, and he's talking with them. And, and uh, this particular conversation, it's important to Jesus to, for him to tell this to his disciples, not only to encourage them, but to let them know what's going to happen here before long and so they're not blindsided by it. So what he says, starting in, in uh, Matthew 26, verse 31, says, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the, and the sheep of the flock will scatter. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. So Jesus kind of lines everything out for him. And then he says, after all this takes place, you are to go to Galilee. That's where I want you to be. That's the place after this takes place, go to Galilee. 
But Peter said to him, Even if all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Notice the uh, punctuation point there. That means he yelled it or he, he said it in a manner that there was force to it. I will never fall away from you. I will never. In his own strength, and Peter believed this. Peter wholeheartedly believed this. I will, never, I will never fall away from you. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, that this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I die with you, I will not deny you! Exclamation point. Peter wholeheartedly said, this ain't happening. I don't care what you say, Jesus. I don't care what you believe. I don't care that you're the son of the living God. I don't care your authority, your deity. I don't care that you know all things. <laughs> you don't know me because I will not fall away from you and I will die with you. If you go to that cross, I'm going with you. There is no way I'll allow them to put you on that cross. No way. And that's wholeheartedly what he believed. And of course, all the disciples are going to jump in on this bad bandwagon because they won't let Peter be there by himself. Yeah, we won't, we won't fall away from you and we won't deny you either. After this, they found themselves in the garden. And Jesus always took three people with him. He had three best friends out of those disciples, Peter, James, and John. Always took them with him everywhere he went. Always took them with them. So they come to take Jesus. And as Jesus said, they all fleed. Peter took the sword and went to chop this individual's head off. Only got his ear and Jesus rebuked him. He rebuked him. Peter was following Jesus in his own strength. Peter was trusting in Peter to do God's will. All action was taken from Peter by Jesus. When you take actions away from men of action or women of action, man, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle. Because now you've taken my ability away from me. Now I have to completely trust in God to go further and to do his work. I can't do it on my own. He just stripped me of my authority to do his work. I have to do it through him. I have to use his strength, not mine, because apparently mine's lacking and I was called down for it. Now Peter don't know what to do with it because Peter's been following Jesus. He loves him, but he was following him in his own strength. So here they go to the uh, uh, Pharisee's house where Jesus was taken. And Peter was let in. And in Matthew 26 and verse 70, he was asked if he was a follower of Jesus. In verse 70, he says, But Peter denied him before them all, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. Jesus? Jesus who? I'm just here to warm my hands. I'm just here to stay warm. You're at somebody's house whom you do not know. Nobody there knows you. It is very evident that you are a follower of Christ. But yet you're going to deny him? He denied him. Why? Fear. He wanted to know what was going on with Jesus. But he was too afraid to be part of it. And in verse 72, he was asked it a second time by another individual. And uh, in verse 72, he said, again, he denied it with an oath. I swear to you, I promise you, I do not know this man. Again. And a group of strangers that do not know him knows that he has to be. He has to be one of his followers. But yet he denies it with an oath. I don't know him. 
third time, you have to be, it is evident through your speech, through your conduct, that you are a follower of Jesus. You're the reason he's, he's the reason you're here. And what do Christians, when they want to prove that they're not a Christian, what do they do? And in verse 74, then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man. He started talking and acting like the rest of the world to prove that he doesn't know this man. But he does know this man. He's best friends with the guy. He just wants to be left alone. He just wants to see what's going on. He's never seen Jesus in this predicament, in this situation, but yet he just wants to be seen and not heard. Sometimes we see a lot of Christians. Sometimes we are that Christian. I want to be seen and not heard. I just want to come and be encouraged by the pastor. I just want to come and be encouraged by the Sunday school teacher. Don't ask me to participate, please. I just want to come be seen and not heard. We're called to be a part of a body of believers. I come to Highland because I want to work. I was asked by a few members at Sandy to come back and work there. But I know they have workers. I want to be where I can serve. He called me here. Not to be your preacher. Definitely not that. Each one of us come here because God's called us to. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a job for you. And it is your responsibility to do that job. I knew before Keith asked me that I was going to be teaching a Sunday school class. I didn't know it was going to be Carrie's, but I knew it was going to be one. And when Keith asked me, I didn't have to pray about it because I already prayed about it. I already had an answer. It's just waiting on God's timing. When it comes to, when I was given the job, I didn't try to push anybody out of their position because God was offering up another position for them. I don't push God's timing. I follow his timing. I will serve at Highland as long as God allows me to. But the moment that he says, hey, I got another place for you, me and my family will say, enjoyed being here, enjoyed serving you. I hope we were a blessing, but I am called somewhere else and we're leaving. Love yous, but see ya. So what did Peter do? It, to finish verse 74 up, it says, And immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the statement that Jesus made, Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Now you're going to find the next time that Peter comes up in Scripture that he told the guys that, you know what, I'm going to go out fishing. What did Peter do before Jesus called him? He was a fisherman. He grew up and he learned that trade. And that was his job. So me, I grew up, I got a family of carpenters. So I grew up, I already, before I became a carpenter, I would never call myself a carpenter before I knew that I could walk into a place, build it, and walk away and it's right. So when I first started learning how to do the trade, and I was 15 years old, and I went to work with my dad. And I was packing lumbers, and, and I was bending more nails than driving them in. And my uncle gave me an east wing hammer, an old one. And uh, so I had that. Once I made a little bit of money, I took that check, and it wasn't much because most of the time I worked for my dad for free <laughs> on the job training, apparently. Cost of, uh, you know, anyway. I didn't have much money, but I knew I needed a pouch. I went and I got a pouch, and, and, and I looked at several of them, and I got what I needed. My first pouch, they, the belt was sewn in with the pouches. 
and I had the tape measure right up front. I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. Tape will go right here. I can grab it with my left hand, grab it with my right. It's very convenient. I like it. I'm suited for it. So doing that job, I got the cheapest knife, cheapest uh, chalk box. Uh, I got a speed square, probably the cheapest one then because I didn't have much money. I learned the trade. I started working and uh, getting better and better at it. Then I started putting more nails and bending. Well, same pouches going to a different job. Now I'm getting paid. <laughs> so here we're doing a carpentry list on these condos and I, and I go to climb down a ladder. This tape measure that's up front, that's so convenient. I can grab with my right hand, grab with my left hand. Well, that's my left, that's my right, sorry. Anyway, I start climbing down this ladder. First run, ladder pulls that tape measure up. Past that ladder, comes down and hits me right between the legs. And I realized it's not very convenient having a tape measure right in front of you. So after a little bit, I was able to get another, t uh, get another set of pouches, and I went through pouches years after year after year, and I tried several different pouches, found some that I liked, but I was going through those pouches every year. I was spending 100 bucks on pouches a year. I'm tight, man. I don't like spending that kind of money. So buddy of mine let me know which pouches he'd been using, had them for seven years. That's what I went and bought. I looked at the price of these pouches, $100 for this bag, $100 for this bag. Belt I don't have anymore, $100 for that too. I've had these for five years. They've paid themselves off. I still like these bags. These bags are awesome. Over the period of time, I went through so many different knives. This knife here. I love this knife, my favorite knife. I've had it for years. Chalk box, went through so many chalk boxes. If I can get it out of here. This is the only one I use. Nail bars, I lost the one that I like, so I don't have it. Hammers, went through so many different hammers. This little fella, 15 ounces. I will put it up against any framer's hammer that was over 20 ounces. It will drive it just the same, probably better, and my arm's not wore out at the end. Financially wise, my pouches that I have here are about, 100, or, uh, about 500 bucks roughly, everything in it. God's given me a talent, given me ability, given me a skill set. Just the same as he's done for you. I've, in, I've invested in my career. I've invested in, my, in, in all of that. I've got a lot of money and tools. I don't tell you this to brag. I don't tell you to boast. I tell you this. We do this in our life and prepare for our life here, our investment in our careers, in our service, for our family, to provide for them. We invest in it here. Peter invest in his lifestyle, in his family, in his career here. But Jesus called him and says, I am calling you, follow me. I am calling you to be fishers of men. He called him to a different purpose. He called him to a higher purpose. If God calls you today to step away from the career that you have, would you do it? I love carpentry. I love architecture. I'm a huge fan. Love it. I'm strong. When I was a kid growing up, I'm strong. August came. I've been working in construction doing custom homes. Million dollar plus. I enjoyed it. But it got to where I was hurting so bad that I wasn't enjoying it so more and it so much anymore. I love the guys that I worked with. First company that I loved working with just about anybody. There's only one guy that I could tolerate for a bit, but other than that, first time I've ever left a job I wasn't ready to leave. I miss those guys, I do. But I needed something easier on my body. So that's why I'm working at the spot that I'm at. 
God puts you in places that you need to be, you better be ready to open that door or walk through that door when he opens it for you. It may not be exactly what you want. It may not be the timing that you want. But when he opens it, walk through. Peter decided to go back to fishing. He was called to something greater. But yet, in his mistake, he thinks he's disqualified. I should be fired for what I said. I should be fired for what I've done. I can't follow him. I can't follow him the way that I want to follow him. I can't follow him. I don't know how to follow him the way that he wants me to follow him. The thing that I rely on is my strength. I don't know how to follow him any other way. But John, he watched John. He seen how John was. John was a witness to Peter. They may not have always got along, but he was a witness to them. While they're out fishing, Jesus is on the bank. And they see him, and they're hauling this load of fish in. And they realize it's Jesus, and Peter jumps in, swims to shore. None of them say a word, but they know who it is. And over in John 21, starting in, uh, starting in verse 15. Now when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter, you remember when you said, I will not fall away, I will not deny you? Even if all do this, not me. Remember when you said that? Do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? Do you have a perfect love for me, Peter? And Peter said to him, and he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I philo you. Man, we're good friends. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Peter, what I want you to do, I want you to go out in the community. I want you to bring people into my fold. I want you to tell people about me. Those new Christians that, are, that, that know who I am but don't understand so much, I want you to be a witness to them. I want you to show them how to serve, how to love. I want you to do this for me, Peter. Can you do it? This is what I want. Not one time did Jesus say, Peter, what do you want? Jesus said, this is what I want for you, Peter. You will be the happiest if you do my will. And that's truth. But in verse 16, Jesus said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? Do you have complete unconditional love for me. And, and Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I follow you. We'll always be good friends. And Jesus said to him, Shepherd my sheep. Peter, here's the second thing I want you to do. Those people that are in the church and they know who I am, and are wanting to serve, and are growing in their faith, they're the mature Christians. They're the ones that are ready for jobs. Peter, I want you to teach them how to be evangelists. I want you to teach them how to be teachers, preachers. I want you to teach them how to be deacons. I want you to teach them how to be te or, uh, uh, leaders in the church. I want you to teach them how to be faithful. And again, he didn't ask Peter, what do you want to do, Peter? He told him, I want you to do this. If you're going to follow me, this is what you have to do. And in verse 17, 
And Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you follow me? Do you love me? I'll be your friend, Peter. I'll meet you right where you're at. If all I'm going to be to you is a friend, I'll meet you right where you're at. I'll accept our friendship. If that's the only way that you can love me, I'll meet you there. You don't have to agape me yet, but you will. Peter was hurt because Jesus said to him a third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I agape you. This is the first time, finally, Peter got it. Lord, I love you unconditionally. You know my heart. You know how much I love you. You know this isn't a joke for me. You know how important you are to me. I agape you, wholeheartedly agape you. You're my everything. I will serve you in whatever means and capacity that you called me to. Not my will be done, yours. Yours. I will serve you any way you call me to. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus had complete confidence in Peter. Complete confidence. Knowing that Peter's going to serve him in a way, not in Peter's strength, but in God's. And in verse 19, then he said to, uh, let me go down a little further. Uh, He said to him, Jesus, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Peter turned around and saw the the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So here, Peter and Jesus are walking side by side and John's right walking with them right behind him. The one who also leaned on 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 the back uh, on on the back on his chest at the at the supper and said, "Lord, who is the one who is betraying you? So Peter, uh, so, so Peter, upon seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? What about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So in other words, what this whole deal was, Peter and Jesus are having a conversation. It's just these two. But yet Peter involved John. Now through this whole thing, you don't ever see James. You don't see... James wasn't, wasn't with him. And after the garden, gone. You don't see him. That's one of Jesus' best friends. But you see how Peter followed him. Peter followed him in his own strength. John... John was with Jesus the whole time. From start to finish, he was with him. And in John chapter eight, or John chapter eighteen, verse ten, that is where Peter went to take the head off of the servant, one of them that were taking Jesus. Right there, Peter's following him in his own actions. He put the sword away when Jesus rebuked him for it. Peter was in the courtyard where he denied Jesus three times because of John. See, John walked in with, Pete, or with Jesus. He had to convince the lady at the gate to allow Peter to come in. John was known. He followed Jesus completely. Followed Jesus. 
In chapter 19, starting in verse 25, it says, now, uh, now beside the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, Mary, and Mary Magdalene. So then the Jews saw his mother, or sorry, then Jesus saw his mother and, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the, to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that, from that hour, disciple took her into her, his own household. Where was John? With Jesus? Where was Peter? After the courtyard, nowhere to be found. There's a difference in the way that you follow Jesus. You don't follow him at all? Like James, like James he fled. You don't see him. He didn't follow him at all. Like Peter... In your own strength, and eventually you will fail because God won't allow you to serve him in your own strength without him being part of it. He won't allow it. Or you follow him like John did. From start to finish, regardless the circumstance, regardless the situation, regardless the possibility of the outcome, you follow him. So, after the resurrection, Jesus comes in to his disciples and, he, and, and this is what he tells them. This is what he wants from all believers is in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is the great commission. This is what we're called to. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority has Jesus been given? All. Go therefore, make disciples, in all make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them uh, uh, to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, what he is telling you, all authority has been given to me. If you are following me and doing my will the way that I am calling you to, I give you that same authority. You can't have that authority apart from Christ. You can't have that authority and expect your prayers to be answered when you're living like the rest of the world. That's an impossibility and he won't allow it. You want your prayers to be heard and answered? Live according to his purpose. Live according to his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You want to be more effective as a Christian? That's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. There is no, well, maybe, no. That is what you have to do to serve him in a capacity that he wants you to. You will never have complete joy living as a half-hearted Christian. If you want complete joy you got to be completely submitted to him he's not master in most of my life he's master in all of it he's master in my finances he's master in my job he's master of everything in my life so if he asks me for more than 10% of finances I got to give it to him his anyway, because I'm a steward. If he asks me for more than 10% of my time, I have to give it to him because he's a master and I'm a steward. What faithful steward would ever tell their master no? 
For the price he paid for you, what right do you have to tell him no? He allows you to, but you're not trusting if you do. So, the purpose of me wearing this, I've had a lot of hard questions asked of me. And why does God allow babies to die? Why does God allow this tragedy to happen? Why does God, if he's in control, why does all this happen? And you could tell him, well, you know what? We're given the Ten Commandments. We're given the precepts. We're given the law. We know it. You're not supposed to murder. You're not supposed to commit adultery. You're not supposed to sin. You're supposed to love everybody. We know it, but we don't follow it. That could be the cold way that you answer these questions. And it could be a way that you turn people away from it. So, this is what he showed me. When I worked for Tony Lee Construction, I worked for, with, with a particular man, good to me, but he was hard. We worked, I don't care if it rained or not, we worked. Now, on the job site, you'd be slopping through mud. Your tools would have it on it, your cords, your hoses, the material. By the time the day was done, I was exhausted from trying not to fall. From time, it, was, it was rough. By the end of the day, I wore whites. This is what I wore, wore. By the end of the day, from here down, my pants weren't white. From here down, it was caked mud. Not just a little bit, but it was caked mud. I'd have to hose off before I'd walk into the house that's, it was bad. I'd have mud all down the front of me, some on the back, and I'm exhausted. And this is what he told me. I want you to take, I want you to take your clothes. I want you to throw them in the wash. I want you to take your shoes off. I want you to take and, and clean them up. I want you to take your pants. I want you to take your shirt. I want you to throw them in the wash. Set your sweaty underwear aside. Sweat your, set your sweaty socks aside, you're going to put those back on. Once everything's all said and done, this is what you get. And what he told me, the mud represents the sin of the world. When you become a Christian, you wash it off. But the results of sin is left. You see, my pants have rips in them. You see, I, I have stains all over them. That is the consequences of my sin from start to finish of my life. I washed off the cake mud. I've washed off the sins that I bore because somebody else took them for me. Now, I continue to sin even though I'm a believer in Christ, even though I'm following him the way he's called me to follow you want to be as faithful as possible. You won't always be. He says, after you put this all on, everybody sees what's on the outside. But they don't see your sweaty socks and they don't see your sweaty underwear. And that stuff would be very uncomfortable to put back on. And he says, that's the sins in your life that no one else sees. It's disgusting to you. Who do you think that it's not disgusting to God? It is disgusting to God. But yet we have those sins. He's asking us to clean house. He don't want you to wear dirty socks and dirty underwear. And neither do you. Let's clean that sin up. We don't have to continue to sin like the rest of the world. We're not called to be that. We're called to be greater than that. But Doug, you don't know the sin in my life. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm capable of doing. You don't understand the anger that I have. You don't understand the aggression I carry. You don't understand the bitterness. You don't understand the lust of my heart. 
You don't understand my desires, even though I'm a Christian. You don't understand my failures, and I can't serve God because of all of that. You're right to a point. Let me tell you what God thinks about you. Over in Psalms 139, verse 14, it says, I will give thanks to you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made or awesome and awesomely and wonderfully made. You know what God thinks about you? It wasn't, oh man, if I do this, what's this person going to be like? He wasn't afraid to make you. When he formed you, everything, man, this is perfect. What a masterpiece. How wonderful is this person? I love this person. I desire the best for this person. And that's what he says about every single person. Even those that say, I don't even believe there is a God. He said that at their creation. I love this person. I had to send my son for this person because I love him. We're to love him too. We're to encourage them to come to faith just so they don't pay for the penalty of the rejection of the Holy Spirit, the rejection of Christ. Only one sin is unforgiven. And Jesus said it himself, you reject the Holy Spirit. That is unforgivable. What does that mean? I thought it was I had to accept Christ. What do you think the Holy Spirit's message is? Accept Christ. That's his message. It's the Holy Spirit that led you to hear. It is the Holy Spirit that encouraged you to walk in these doors. It is the Holy Spirit that said, hey, I want you to come forward. I want you to accept Jesus Christ. I want you to come into his fold. I want you to be part of this church. I want you to, I want the best for you in your life. That's what the Holy Spirit is continually telling us every single day of our life. He encourages us, encourages us to be in prayer. He encourages us to be in his word intentionally. You're not left out. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but has given us a, a spirit of, of power, love, and a sound mind. Another word for sound mind is discipline. Do you realize how powerful you are? You who accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior has a God that lives within you. All authority has been given, him, given to him. And we're required to go out and be a witness so that power and authority comes to us when we're in fellowship and a complete obedience to him. You lack nothing. Love. We're to love one another. We're not supposed to despise. We're not supposed to drive wedges between. Like Keith said, man, we wound ours. Our churches shouldn't be doing that. I understand there's people that aren't always going to get along. I understand there's going to be disagreements I understand that but you can still love one another you can still talk to each other with respect avoid the situations and don't intentionally try to drive those wedges you can cripple a church that way faith building will start to be lacking all because of those wedges Wedges have no place in a building, especially God's. And in John 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. See, the branches feed off the vine. We're nurtured through the vine. We're nurtured through Christ. It is Christ who is the head, the Christ with the authority. 
not us. We can't put him in a box and form him into our image. We're created in his. Not the other way around, but yet we want to make it to where he's in our image. We do his will, his way, not our will, his way, or not our will, our way. The, other, the last part of that, the one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, you can't do his will and be effective. Peter wasn't effective when he tried it. Tremendous failure. Tremendous failure. And he thought he was disqualified for the works of God. But yet, you find out later, man did an awesome sermon and almost 3,000 people joined the church that day. All different perspective. Peter no longer followed in strength. He followed in faith. Followed in faith. Apart from faith, there is no way you're going to please God. So where does that leave me? Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I have the power and authority to do His will the exact way that He's called me to. The exact way. People say, I don't want titles. So I, I, I just want to serve. I don't, I, don't wanna, I, I, don't, I don't want somebody to say, you know, this is the title for this person because that's the job. You know what? I'll take any title that God gives me. Notice God gives me. I don't take the titles that man gives me because man don't have such a flattering uh, uh, words for me or you. I don't care what man says about me. I care what God says about me. I don't care where man wants me to serve. I care where God wants me to serve. Today I stand before you delivering a sermon that God has given me, not man. I desire to be right where God put me. Be that same person. Not me. But if God's called you something, called you something to hear, there is nobody that can fill your position like you. There is only one you, and there's a position for you. What is it? He'll put it on your heart, and He'll provide you opportunity. But no one else could be as faithful in your position as you. No one else will be as effective in your position as you. There is no limit because he said, I can do all things. All things. But it has to be through him. Be that vessel. Be that steward. If you're going to be a steward, be a good one. Love one another. Pray for one another. That's something Keith's been repeating to you for a while. Why? Because it's important. When I first started being an intentional Christian, Lord, I don't want to move away from my family. My family's important to me. I love my family wholeheartedly. Uh, on my mom's side, we're over 100 people. On my dad's side, we're pushing 100 and in both of them families, I have good relationships, not with everyone, but with a lot of them. Lord, don't pull me away from them. Don't put me out in a mission field. The closer and closer I get to God, my love for my family has not changed, but my service has. Lord, if you call me somewhere else, that's where I want to be. Sandy had been my home church, and I grew up there. I love the people of Sandy. Uh, 
but that's not where I'm called to. Be faithful wherever he's called you to. Trust, trust that he has your best interest because he does. You don't always see what's on the other side of that horizon, but God's already went before you and rolled out that red carpet. You just have to walk through it. You know, I heard somebody say, well, you know, you have the mountains and you have them valleys, but Jesus said mountains be moved. That's faith. That's trust. Knowing that regardless what is before you, mountains be moved. I don't care what the stumbling blocks that Satan puts before me. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for walking me through it. Thank you for carrying me when I can't walk anymore. Be that witness that God's called you to be. If your language is lacking, change it, please. Because that's a huge witness to those that are around you. I have family members that know me, that know how I was before I became an intentional Christian. And I changed my language. I changed my actions. Those in my family that see me now see a different person. Those that don't have a, as much of a relationship, they don't see the difference. They don't see the difference, and they won't until they get to know me in a better way. You're going to have the same thing. There's going to be some people that most people can't reach, but you can. But you can't apart from a good relationship with Christ. Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.